0: Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithal. Wellwithal believes that self-care is
1: community care, premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithal's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly well with all.
2: Under the radar to me means authenticity, not being filtered.
1: I'm Callie Crossley, and this week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, we are talking books. Binge on some books you can't miss and give that Netflix app a break. It's our annual summer reading special. Whether it's a murder mystery or a mythical reimagining, a historic biography, or a visually enchanting graphic novel, three local librarians are here to give us their picks for the books you won't be able to put down this summer. Plus, suggestions for kids and teens, as well as a rundown on the most in-demand books maxing out library wait lists this year. Joining me here at the WGBA Satellite Studio at the Boston Public Library, Susanna Boriston-Takach, Adult Services Librarian at the Cambridge Public Library. Hello, Susanna. Hi, thanks <laughs> for having us. Uh, Robin Brenner, Teen Librarian at the Public Library of Brookline and Robin's been here before. Hi, Robin. Hi, (laughs) thanks for inviting me. Of course. And Veronica Coven Mattacy, Reader Services Librarian at the Boston Public Library. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you. I didn't have to travel far. No, you didn't. It's great. Um, Well, let's just jump right in. This is my traditional question because I like to get everybody's philosophy about summer reading on the table as we proceed. So I'll start with you, Veronica. Um, Is this a time for you to read intensely, sort of deep stuff you don't get to, or is this just beach book fun? (laughs) Well, I mean, my personal
2: philosophy of reading at any time is everybody should read whatever makes them happy to read, you know, read the back of a cereal box, just keep reading. Um, I personally tend to, like, I acquire piles and piles and piles of books in my house, so this is a great time for me to, like, Maybe work on those piles, get, get some of those books read that have been waiting Well, as I work in the library. Yes. I keep checking out books constantly through the year, so it's
3: a great time for me to read a not library book. Yeah, okay. Very good. Aunt Robin? Uh, I tend to look for both ways to do big series that I've been waiting to read, just to kind of dig back in, sometimes to go back and reread the beginning to get to the latest volume. And I also look for lighter books that are just kind of fun and uh, adventure-filled. So it kind of balances out over time. Um, And a lot of it is also catching up before traveling in the summer, too. I figure out what I'm bringing with me
1: versus what I'm going to leave at home. So Yeah. So you're doing a Netflix model on a book, then, you know, series. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Susanna.
0: I find that when I'm able to relax into the heat of summer, I am able to tackle slightly more challenging books. So I like to delve into dense, more cerebral literature in the summer. Um, But I also really love to read novels that will transport me to a different place or time. Uh, So I like... You'll see
1: in some of my books today that I will be traveling around the world. Okay. Well, for me, um, I'm a little bit of you. I like to read some of the challenging ones. I once convinced my book club to read a 700-page book in the summertime, and I was never forgiven for that. (laughs) So (laughs) I just do it for myself now. I don't impose on anybody else. But I also love a good beach read, I have to say. I just, I enjoy it so much. All right, so starting on the end with you, Veronica, uh, pick a book that you're very excited about.
2: Okay, Mm -hmm. my number one choice right at this present moment is The Bride Test by Helen Huang. I wanted to bring you a copy of it, and they are all out. Wow! So I brought you her first book instead. Okay. okay. This is the Kiss Quotient, and I've heard about that. It's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a rom com. I love this like latest trend of you know like like romantic comedies that like you wouldn't feel embarrassed to be reading on the bus <laughs> yeah. you know they have great covers and they tackle you know really serious things but at the same time it's an uplifting book mm. you feel happy when you finish it you feel so happy for these people that they got their happy ending yeah. the bride test is an immigration story mm. it's a story about a woman from vietnam who comes over to america because the mother of her intended bridegroom has picked her out as Like, you'll be good for him. Mm. And she gets there and she finds out that he has no idea that this is happening. Ah. He's autistic. He doesn't want her her in his house. He doesn't want her in his space. And over time, like, they learn to... They learn to speak each other's languages. They learn to to cohabitate, to, to offer each other love in a way that they will both understand. And it's so romantic. Oh, I wonderful.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds like a good, that could go either way. That's a good beach book or a during the year book as well. So, excellent. Robin, and you're a teen librarian, we should say. So yes. what's your number one pick?
3: Uh, it's hard to rank things. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, I think there are a number of books I was thinking kind of related to what you were just talking about. Um, one of the series that has a new book out this just this past month is the Royal series by Rachel mm-hmm. Hawkins. And I it's, keep hearing about It's this. a kind of alternate version of the royal family. It's a Scottish royal family mm-hmm. that doesn't exist in the real world. But it's a, a great kind of, for all those folks who are keen to follow the royal family mm-hmm. and, uh, and all of the kind of delightful uh, discussions that go on around, around it, it's a great series of books that is aimed at teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two books. The first one is about... Um, uh, kind of a, a teen who gets wrapped up in the royal family in a kind of sideway, and she suddenly has to act royal just because of the association she has with the family and she's not particularly inclined to follow all the rules. Um, so she tries to figure out how to make that work um, and, of course, she's uh, uh, the romantic interest is the kind of bad boy mm-hmm. son of, of the royal family. Of course. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, uh, the second book is also called um, uh, Her Royal Highness, and that one is just as much fun. So it's just a great kind of summer series, and it's, it's got, um, I think, a, a fair amount of weight given mm-hmm. that it's kind of, you know, a lighter topic, but they're well-written and they're really enjoyable. Oh, great. Susanna.
0: I cannot recommend enough Lost Children Archive by Valeria Lucelli. Mm-hmm. It is one of my denser picks, but um, it's easy reading, in my opinion. Um, It's sort of a twist on the road trip novel. Mm. It's about a mother and father and their two children as they drive from New York to the Arizona-Mexico border over the course of one summer. Uh, They're driving there because the father is working on a documentary about the Apaches, and the mother is working on her own story about missing child refugees. And interspersed throughout the novel are some of their... Sources for their research on um, their primary sources maps photographs. It's a really experimental format of a book um, but as you can imagine a cross-country road trip shared by two uh, strong-headed academics um, Deep in their research and their two children with not a lot of entertainment. Um, it's not exactly a joy ride <laughs> uh, the family's main form of entertainment in their downtime is Lord of the Flies on audiobook, Okay, <laughs> which kind of sets the mood for the trip. Mom and dad start to turn against each other. The kids retreat into a totally uh, separate imaginary world, which we get to see when the older of the two kids narrates the second half of the novel. Um, and I won't spoil the ending no, for spo- you. We, no spoilers here. We no don't spoilers. Spoil. Okay. There is a suspenseful twist at the oh, end. Very um, good. And this novel is actually based on the author's own experience driving cross-country with her children to do research. So she has some Polaroids from the actual trip uh, towards the end of the book that really make it feel remarkably real.
1: Oh, I love it! So very, very different uh, first select, first go-round selections, which I love. Um, and I'm, I'm mentioning now, and will continue to mention that uh, all of your suggestions will be up on our website under the radar later, so people can. You don't feel that you have to frantically write stuff down; it'll be there for you later. Uh, and then, of course, you can listen to their discussions about it. Um, I'm circling back to you, Veronica, because one of the questions I also like to ask is, what keeps coming? up and going out the door. And you mentioned that um, uh, Tara Westover's uh, book uh, is still, still. Yes, it's still it's going. Incredible. So I wanted to play a cut. This is Tara Westover explaining her definition of education for the PBS NewsHour. And her book is called Educated.
0: For some, the word educated has come to mean institutionalized. But it doesn't have to mean that. An education is the remaking of a person. You can submit to that remaking passively, or you can take an active part. To choose the second is to remake yourself. To choose the first is to be made by others.
1: Pretty interesting. Well, if I, you know, I keep hearing about this book and you, you say with good reason because you can't get a hold of it because everybody wants it. <laughs> yeah. Still.
2: Yeah, like I'm. <laughs> the last I checked, there were about 700 holds on it, you know,
1: like, and this is not a new book, no, we're it is saying. It's not a new so, book. <laughs> you know, so, in case you want to circle back and do Susanna's take, this may be your time to try to read uh, <laughs> yeah. Educated, if you can get it on the list. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, similar thing uh, with you, Robin, on, um, with Angie Thomas, because her mm-hmm. first uh, novel that people are aware of was The Hate You Give, which was turned into a movie. So, mm-hmm. first, let's, this is, a, this is a, from the film adaptation of The Hate You Give, and this is author Angie Thomas' debut novel that cop's life
2: matters also are you gonna be mad
0: because i said that too yeah because you think that his life matters more than the person that you said you were protesting for that's a problem problem please guys come on you unfollowed my tumblr after the protests why was it the picture of Emmett till that did it did you sympathize with his poor family before you looked away
1: so the excellent acting in the movie, and the book is fabulous, I'm told by uh, the young people. In fact, I was hosting a screening of the, of the movie, and most of the kids had read the book, Robin. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you'll be very excited yeah. about that. So now what you're excited about is um, uh, Angie Thomas' second book.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. um, so On the Come Up is mm-hmm. the, the second book um, that's set in the same neighborhood, and um, I think that's kind of a wonderful way to link books together. Um, you get to revisit kind of things that are familiar, but you get a very different perspective because it's a very different main character. And the main character is Brie, who is very determined and very uncompromising. Um, she is what some people might think of as a less easily likable character to oh, begin with. Mm. Um, I found her immediately likable and wonderful, <laughs> but that's one of those things. Um, and I think... The book is, is very much about uh, music and the rap industry, and trying to get uh, into that in a way that makes her successful. Partly because she's driven by the fact that her mother has just lost her job, and they're very much right on the edge of losing their house and trying to figure out how to survive. Um, and she is just it, she's such an interesting protagonist, and so very different from the way the hit you give worked. Um, that I actually really appreciated it. I thought it was a really great shift from the first novel. And I think the other thing that makes it great is that the family connections are really strong. Um, She and her mom and she and her aunt. And then as well, there's a lot of really interesting things about writing rap itself, Mm -hmm. um, which is a really wonderful thing to be seen, uh, kind of explained and exploded on the page in a way that really helps people, I think, think through what that process is like. And it's one of the rare books where I thought that was done very well—that you can really be in the experience and the creative experience with with the person. So it's one of those books, and that one I think, as you said, you know, both *The Hate You Give* and *On the Come Up* are those books that all my teens have read or are reading, and that's one of those books. And she's one of those authors that I don't have to recommend it. It's just they all know—they the, know that it's sort of it's like good. educated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's I up. think that's wonderful to see, and I'm i there are a number of kids that I don't ever see reading that actually had that book.
1: And I was like, yes. Yes. (laughs) 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 Um, Excellent. So that was great. Uh, That's my guest, uh, Robin Brenner of the Public Library of Brookline. I'm going over now to my guest, Susanna Boriston-Takach of the Cambridge Public Library. And what's your next recommendation?
0: My next recommendation is a mystery, which I don't normally read, but I could not put this one down, and it's borderline mystery fiction. Mm. Um, It's called Disappearing Earth by Julia Phillips, and some people think summer's not complete without a mystery, so I wanted to include one. Mm. Um, This is about the disappearance of two sisters in the Kamchatka Peninsula of Russia, a place I knew nothing about before wow. reading this, um, and how their disappearance reverberates throughout this close-knit community in the, the isolated part of the world that it is. Um, and it's technically not a whodunit novel, but the m- mystery of the person who committed this, this abduction remains throughout the book. Um, but I got so invested in all of the characters that I honestly mm. didn't suspect any one person of the crime. Oh, that's good. Um, hmm. The book's setting is also so vivid that I honestly felt like I had traveled to Kamchatka Peninsula and come back. Um, This woman, the author, is not even from that area, just happened to travel there on a fellowship. Um, So it's really masterfully written and suspenseful to the very end.
1: Okay, good. Circling back to you, Veronica Coven-Mattacy of the Boston Public Library. What's your next?
0: All right, Um,
2: I'm hoping that Susanna will like this pick if you read fantasy at all. I wanna recommend Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, which is not it's not a brand new book. Um, it came out last year, I want to say. Um, this is a fantasy novel that takes place in sort of Lithuania, not you know like fantasy Lithuania, yeah, okay. fake um, Lithuania. And, and it is it, <laughs> Naomi Novik is um, a Lithuanian Jew by ancestry, and the main character in this book is a Lithuanian Jew who's experiencing you know obviously massive amounts of anti-Semitism from, from her entire village. Her father is the local money lender, and he's too nice, and so he lets people get away with not giving back their money. And finally she says, no, no, that's, that's not what I'm about. And she goes out and she's like, I'm getting back my money. Mm. And so she you know, increasingly becomes a figure not of contempt but of hatred in her village, but she's also like, redeeming her own self-respect, demanding what she's owed. And then it becomes, as you know, like as the story continues to unfold, you realize it's sort of a Rumpelstiltskin story because there are fairy creatures who live in the woods and they like gold. Oh, and okay. they hear that she can turn silver into gold. Mm. And they don't really understand like, the concept of, like it's return on investment, it's interest. <laughs> they're like, oh, come give us, yeah, we want, we want you to turn silver into gold. But they're not nice fairies. Yeah. So she says, okay, I'll do it for you, but like I'm not doing it for nothing. What are you gonna give me? <laughs> and he says, "Oh, well, if you can turn all of this gold, silver into gold, you can come live in Fairyland and be my queen." She's like, "I don't, I, I don't <laughs> want that." Um, but she does not have a choice about it, huh. um, and it is just a fantastically expanding story.
1: I think so. It's is it kind of a period piece as well. A little yes, bit? Yeah. and it's you know, yeah. and
2: it's taking place in a there's the the czar of you know like the, the local czar is involved. Also, it's like. The story keeps getting bigger and bigger. You get involved with the daughter of the local du- duke yes. who, has, who is forced to marry the czar even though she doesn't want to. And like the story keeps getting bigger. You find out that the fairy creatures are, are stealing Summer. Okay. Um, oh, interesting. So it's a good summer read. It's a
1: great summer read All if you right. want to read about the cold. <laughs> okay. Well, Nelda, no, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you do. Now, speaking of reading in the summer, where do you three read, like to read in the summer when you're really into your this is heaven moment, I am I have my summer reading book? Where are you, Well, Susanna. if
0: any of you have been to the Cambridge Public Library, we have a beautiful lawn out front. That is true. I read there I love. before yeah. work, on my lunch break, after work. It is really the perfect reading spot. I just can't remain entirely anonymous there. Okay. Um, so otherwise, a, a porch, the beach. Okay,
1: all right. Um, that's Susanna boriston Uh Robin Brenner, where are you reading?
3: To be perfectly honest, the most times that I'm reading is on my commute, so oh, okay. on, on the <laughs> okay. subway. Okay. But my preference is to, um, we have a swing on my front porch mm. where I can just sit and read and enjoy the breeze. And mm-hmm. we have a local farm that's kind of just around the corner, so I can kind of look at the beautiful scenery and read a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the best. All right. And you, Veronica? Well, I, I also do a lot of reading on my commute,
2: but I actually just came back from my summer beach trip. We get it out of the way early, and I get so much great reading done, oh, just sitting there trying not to sunburn, but I'm so into this book that I'm reading. Mm. Like, I love, I love, I love just, I'm not a swimmer. I love to sit on the beach and yeah. read my book. Yeah, yeah, Now, you're
1: on my page. <laughs> that's a librarian joke. <laughs> Uh, because that's, I'd love nothing more than to be on the beach with a book. I also like a little book nook um, or a porch. I'm just all in. Particularly uh, my friend's porches on Martha's Vineyard. It's just one house has two, and I like to go back and forth between uh, both of them. It's just heaven, 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 heaven. All right, next round. Robin, I'm going to start with you. Graphic novels, I know, are your thing. Have you have you mentioned one yet? I haven't yet, but no. I can now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh,
3: one of the ones that's actually coming up, it's uh, coming out in June, is a book called the Queen of the Sea, Mm-hmm. Um, this is an advanced copy, so yeah, yeah. but um, it 's got a very beautiful kind of illustration style, and it 's actually a little bit of a hybrid, so there 's more text um, than a traditional graphic novel may have, and it 's more narrative than just the word balloons. Um, what's amazing about this book is it took years and years for the creator. She did it all herself. She wrote it. She drew everything. She's done all the coloring. It's a wow. kind of a gorgeous accomplishment. Um, it's also very carefully researched because it's based in real history, um, the history of when Queen Elizabeth I was exiled by her sister, Anne, um, and the story starts very much with a young girl named Margaret who is um, living on an island with, on a con- with a convent, kind of within a convent, and she's only known this island as her home. Um, and she slowly starts to realize that it is the center of a lot of royal intrigue and that it is not as simple as she's been told, um, that it is a place of exile and it's a place where kind of people are sent um, when they displeased whoever is ruling at this point. So it is England, but it's also kind of an alternate version of that. So it's loosely based on that history. But it reminded me a lot of classics like um, Catherine called Bertie, is one of those great sort of ordinary girl within history that really helps bring history to life and remind you that you know, real people inhabited the past. Um, and this one I thought is just, it's so incredibly beautiful to look at. I, I know I've uh, heard from her how much research she did. For example, just trying to figure out how to make a uh, lettering style that matches Elizabeth I's handwriting from her letters that she wrote, personal letters, rather than the kind of more formal royal style. Um, so there's all these little details in the visuals that make it really, really rich and beautiful. I've also
2: read this, and I love your it. recommendation.
1: Yes. It's great. Um, so what about the popularity of graphic novels? Still high?
3: Yep, uh, they really haven't gone anywhere in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my, my readers read everything, so they'll go back and forth between different things. So in that sense, they've let go of the distinction of, mm. of kind of prose versus comics versus um, listening to books, for example. So there's a lot of just they like whatever they can find. and um, But comics, I think, are very engaging for a lot of kids. The biggest market I think is middle grade, which this is. Um, there's such a hunger for more graphic novels within that age range of around eight through 12. Um, and there's just, there can never be enough books. Uh, mm-hmm. We find that you have a kid who's read a giant stack of 20 to 30 books, and then they come in the next day and are like, I need more, and yes. you're like, you've read all we have, let's see what else we can find. And, like, and it's, it's kind of a wonderful challenge, but you know, we, need, we will always need more. <laughs>
1: I was that kid. I was always uh, challenging the librarian because <laughs> I read fast as well. Mm-hmm. As my sister actually reads faster than me. So, Veronica, next up on your list. All right. I want to follow the graphic
2: novel trend here. Um, I think that you know graphic novels are also increasing in popularity for adults, which I yes. think is like a fascinating trend. Mm-hmm. I read both traditional comic books and also um, manga, which are Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, I and that's wanna...
1: very popular, by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm, I'm enjoying them very much. I am... Really excited um, about the next one on my list, which is called um, Saint Young Men. Mm. It's um, an older manga, actually, by Hikaru Nakamura, that is only just now getting translated into mm. English, because the publisher was so convinced that this book would just horrify Americans, they would, mm. you know, like protest on masse. They could never, it could never be in America. And Kadensha is just now putting it out, um, and it is an absolutely fantastic summer story. It's a slice of life book about Jesus and the Buddha who hmm. have come down wow. to Japan and they're spending the year as roommates taking a gap year. And they're just... <laughs> they're oh, s- wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just about their, you know, everyday adventures, just being roommates and hanging out. And it is such a sweet... Oh, that's great. Like, I just, I want to say wholesome story. Um, like there's nothing in it that, you know, I, I know that like the publisher was just so concerned that Americans would be like, well, but you can't you can't write about Jesus. That's not acceptable, but it's such In a that like, way. Yeah. it's such a yeah. loving story yeah. about yeah. A, like a very loving person and his, his friendly roommate and they're <laughs> it's so enjoyable. Oh, wow. Well, that that sounds good. All right, Susanna.
0: I can follow the graphic novel trend <laughs> if we want. <laughs> okay. Um I have Home After Dark by David Small on my list. He might he's known for stitches, um, mm. his most famous graphic novel. Uh, this one is about Russell, a 13-year-old boy who, after his parents separate, moves from Ohio to Southern California with his father, who is a troubled Korean War vet. We follow Russell as he is schlepped through small-town America, some pretty gritty neighborhoods. Um, he's adjusting to a new school. He falls into a few of the wrong crowds. Um, the illustrations are just haunting and angsty and poetic. Um, it'll really get you moody for in the in a moody state for back to school. Um, I'd recommend it to a teenager as well as an adult.
1: Mm, Yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty of crossover in graphic novels now. I'm with Robin on that there doesn't seem to be a distinction. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me are Susanna Boriston-Takach, you just heard her, of the Cambridge Public Library, Robin Brenner of the Public Library of Brookline, and Veronica Coven-Mattesee of the Boston Public Library. We're talking about our top picks for summer reads for adults and children. Um, I have a couple of children's books I want to throw out, even though people are going, "What? She has no kids." But <laughs> but there are some of these uh, children's books that just just I adore. So one of them is called "The Last Last Day of Summer," by, and it's by Lamar Giles or Giles. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. It's part of the Versify imprint, which was started by Kwame Alexander. People like him and his work, the poet. Um, His own book, The Undefeated, is also out there and it's wonderful. And another one, written by the small little girl and her mom, called Parker Looks Up. And it's about the little girl who went to the museum to see the portrait of Michelle Obama and called her a queen. And then she eventually got to meet Michelle Obama. Um, and anyway, her, she and her mom became uh, kind of celebrities for a while. And they wrote a book. And it's illustrated beautifully, from what I can see. It comes out a little bit later in the year. So I'm very excited about those for, for people who are looking for picture books for young kids as well. A question for you. Do you, any of you read, because I love, you know, the physical book, but I've just crossed over a tiny bit to the dark side because I'm traveling and I've never had a Kindle and I I purchased one because of the weight. And on this particular trip, the weight is very uh, important. And I feel weird. Um, I'm trying to get accustomed to it, but obviously it'll it'll take up less space and I'll be able to cram some books in. I've just gone crazy loading books on it now. Mm-hmm. So, Robin, what's your I feeling? Do. I do, I read
3: any way I can. Mm. So again, I think I read often on my phone, um, as do almost all the teenagers that I see. Mm. And it's one of the things I often have to, to kind of reinforce with uh, with kind of folks who are not used to seeing that, that they, you know, if someone comes up and kind of grumpily says, oh, all these teenagers sitting there staring at their phones, I'm like, at least half of them are actually reading. Mm. You, you maybe can't tell that from just looking at their phone. Mm. But they they prefer books in general. Although at this point, teens actually prefer print books mm. um, to to on your phone or on a device. Mm. Um, I think adults are more likely to shift back and forth now just because of exactly what you said. It's mm. easier to take eight books with you if you can put it all in one thing. Yeah. Um, and I know yeah. if I travel far, that's definitely what I do. But it's also just I, I have multiples. I have an actual yes. book. I have... Um, books on my phone. I have books on my computer. I have uh, you know various ways of Me looking too. at things. Yep, yep, so yep. I do find that, I think, for example, graphic novels can be harder to reproduce well unless mm-hmm. you have a big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those can be a little awkward depending on how you get them. But you can make it work.
1: All right. How about you, Veronica? Um, I am
2: totally platform agnostic. <laughs> <Platforming> um, <this. laughs> I, I have tons of books on my phone. There are a lot of I read a lot of romance, and there's actually a ton of romance out there that never makes it to a physical book. You must mm. read an e-book because that's, that's the only it, way yeah. it's published. I also um, I read graphic novels on, like, an um, e-book format. They're they're still working out how to translate it into like small boxes, but it's you know it's it's workable. I do when I am, like, in transit. I do very much prefer to have a paper book, because mm-hmm. I know that if I'm reading it on my phone I'll be like, oh, let me just look at Facebook for a second, <laughs> and then half an hour has gone by and yeah. I have read no book. Yeah. Um, but especially, yeah, like for the convenience you cannot beat an ebook. You're just like, well, I'm in line at the post office, I'm gonna be here for five minutes, let me read my book for five minutes. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. I love it. Yeah. One of
3: right. my tricks is also to turn off the notifications. So oh. you don't have the little like
1: things popping up and saying you have a new email, and that focuses you a little more when you're oh. on a device. Okay, so that I'll I'll make sure I do that because this will be my first trip Thanks. with it. <laughs> Susanna, how about you?
0: I am a devout book reader. Okay. Yeah, I'll sometimes sample an e-book if I want to get a taste for a book, but I carry two to three books in my bag, and I will make that <laughs> sacrifice because I want to feel the book in my hands. I want to smell it. I want to. F- and see how well, much I'm progress I'm making. Yeah. It just feels much more rewarding to see the chunk of pages that I've made it through and the remaining pages. So well, I love that. I just can't books.
1: travel with them all anymore. <laughs> but anyway, that's how it goes. Um, Susanna, I'm looking at your stack and I'm very excited about this Ross Gay book, yes. which I have just, I've not read, but i started to hear about. So I want you to tell me about it.
0: Yeah, so Ross Gay um, kind of put himself on the map as strictly a poet. This is his first book of essays as far as I'm aware. And it's this bite-sized essayistic memoir um, where he resolves to write for 365 days one essay about something that delights him. Um, Sometimes it's something that confounds him, sometimes it's a little heavier, but he writes about his favorite childhood Japanese rice candy. (laughs) He writes about his friend's excessive use of air quotes. (laughs) Um, Anything goes. He writes about his experience as a black man in Bloomington, Indiana, where he lives. Um, He writes about bees in one essay. Really, it goes all over the place. Um, And he's a poet, so his sentences just go places you don't expect them to. Um, He has this clear-eyed, refreshing way of writing that just makes for a really feel-good summer
1: book. All right, uh, that's my guest, Susanna boriston Takach. Um, I'm picking a book from your stack over there, uh, Veronica. And all right, I think you have the Queenie book. Is that your stack? I do have yeah. the Queenie book. What I is sure that? Do. Yeah.
2: Okay. First of all, the <laughs> most amazing cover. Like this is yeah. probably my favorite cover of the year so yeah. far. Um, I haven't read this one uh-huh. yet. It is a lucky day to two-week loan, so okay. it's a popular one. I have seen this um, blurbed as a, like, a, sort of a modern-day Bridget Jones almost. Oh, okay. Um, you know, like, uh, the experience of a, a young woman, a, a young black woman. Mm. She's just broken up with her white boyfriend. Mm. Um, so, like, her, you know, it's modern, realistic mm. novel. Contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, contemporary. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the word. <laughs> um, But, you know, like, so Bridget Jones, but with, you know, like some heavier themes, you know, like the racism she experiences her, like her experiences with her family, but still, you know, an upbeat, great summer read. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you are looking for a Bridget Jones look uh, read-alike, that is is what I have heard. Okay,
1: from your list, Robin, I'm interested in the extremely inconvenient adventures of Bronte Metalstone.
3: So this is a (laughs) classic sort of middle grade book. It's by Jacqueline Moriarty, who Mm -hmm. I um, have, read many of her books for teens, and I really like her style. She's very funny. Um, she appreciates a good wit, um, and so she has that style in everything she writes. Um, this one is a very classic setup of a girl. Um, it always sounds terrible when you say this, but um, her parents are lost at sea, oh. and, and it starts with that. And That's she, a classic setup. It is for children's <laughs> books. Um, okay. It's the, it's the kind of adventures of an orphan. That okay. is like one of the classic tropes. Okay. Um, but it's, it's also about how she um, discovers that in her parents' will, there is something called fairy cross-stitch, which you must obey the fairy cross-stitch or else you will never get the end of the will, like the result of the will, um, including her inheritance and kind of a place to be. But it's very, very specific. It's that she has to travel and meet all 10 of her aunts, oh. each of them in a different part of the country and in other countries. And she has to do very specific things, like go to a tea shop and order a particular thing and then go to another place and talk to this person. And it becomes a very kind of wild adventure. Um, I found that the lead kind of adventure style of it is a little bit like rolled doll. It's got that great kind of whimsy and, and disregard for adults, um, which is kind of a great uh, way for kids to spend the summer, I think. So as a, as a very great lengthy journey that ends in a kind of uh, a positive way, and, and learning a lot about how families work, even kind of distant relatives and how you all become um, allies uh, is kind of a wonderful setup. And It's, it's fantastical. It has a fantastical edge mm. to it. And obviously the fairy cross-stitch is a very specific thing. But, um, but it's mainly the sense of humor, the sense of style, and, um, and the kind of investigation of, of how traveling teaches you things. Okay.
1: So um, I'm going to go back to your list in just a second, Susanna, but I just want to put on the table that I know a lot of people are, in the same way with educated Tara Westover, holding on to becoming Michelle Obama's book to read in the summer. You would think everybody by this time has read it, but no, there are still more, and people have said, you know what, I'm saving that for the summertime, I want to read it. It's an excellently written book, it's beautiful, and... um, I'm, I'm sure you know other folks will enjoy it, but I am guessing from both here at the BPL and at Cambridge that's still a big request. Number
0: yeah. one nonfiction request,
1: yes. Okay, and for you, Veronica. Yep, Sandy?
0: it is
2: yeah. after
1: Tara Westover's yeah.
2: the number non- one nonfiction request.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, another question for you. Um, Men don't t- seem to read fiction a lot. I mean, I know that's a broad statement and somebody's going to yell at me, but but anyway, that's been my experience. So I'm just always curious to know what are men reading in nonfiction, because they all read nonfiction, but, but fiction, eh, I don't see too many guys doing that.
2: I do definitely see them reading mm-hmm. a lot of biographies, you know, mm-hmm. those chunky biographies. Yeah. Um, I know there's a new David McCullough book yeah. just out. Mm-hmm. I think that that one's going to have a very long hold list also. But I mean, I also see a lot of men reading a lot of genre fiction, mm. like very into science fiction yes, yes. or mystery, um, which I think is great. You know, I had, I had a guy come up to the desk a couple of weeks ago and he was just desperate for the, the newest, um, you know, Nora Roberts is writing that I... apoc- apocalyptic series now. And he really, he was like, wow. I want the next book so bad. I'm like, sir, it doesn't come out till November. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we'll get it to you as fast as we can. Um, but I was so thrilled. You know, like this is a massive... Um, science fiction book written by Nora Roberts. And I did like, not know
1: that, and Nora Roberts is my favorite. But I like to read her under J.D. Robb. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my favorite series of hers. So I didn't know she was writing all those series. Yeah. Year something. one
2: and Blood and Bone, and the third one. I don't remember the title, but it comes out in November. I have uh, to look and, that up. and what do you think about it? I've only read the first one. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know like it's she's such a yeah. she's such a gripping writer. Yeah, she is. Um, it was definitely a. Big divergence from her usual. I mostly read her contemporaries. Yes. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we're we're dealing with like a pandemic apocalypse where yeah. like 70% of the global population has been wiped out. Okay, we're going with this. Um, I really I really enjoyed so much the details of society rebuilding itself. Mm-hmm. I think that that's such a hopeful thing to read about. Um, you know, like at any time, but especially nowadays, mm-hmm. um, you're seeing you know like people come together and they're like, well,
1: you know, like we need a town council. We need someone to plant so the crops. So it's like a rebuilding of yeah. a community kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. Um, and did you want to answer the question, Susanna, about men and, fic- yeah, and fiction? Yeah, I'm trying to think of
0: if I notice a difference between what they're reading. I think maybe it's because I live in the innovation hub of, hub of Cambridge, but oh, I see a lot true. of men checking out um, nonfiction books about technology mm. or new innovations coming across the field. Um, I can't name any specific ones at the moment, but I think that's usually what they tend towards. Right.
1: Now, in the in your arena, Robin, um, boys, I know, you well, you got the graphic novel, so that, that's appealing. Are there, are there any other trends among boys in terms of what they like to read?
3: Sure. Well, I think nonfiction is, is always appealing, and that's actually across the board. I found that that's less gendered. There's always a funny thing with teens is that depending on how they're their parents and adults in their lives kind of enforce what they read. Mm. Um, Teens themselves don't tend to... to go by saying to me like, oh, I only read books with boys or I only read books with girls. None of that really comes out from the teens themselves. It mm. usually comes from the adults. Ah. Um, and that's kind of a funny thing because the teens don't care as mm. long as the book is good. So like one of the, the books I brought in mm. to show you all was this York series mm. by Laura Ruby. Um, the first one's called York the Shadow Cipher. And if you look at this cover, it's, there's nothing about this that is gendered. It's no. just interesting mm. kind of clockwork lettering. Um, The running joke about this is this is steampunk without the kind of unfortunateness of steampunk. Um, Because steampunk, sometimes I think people think if you like throw gears on things and wear goggles, then you're all set. Um, But that's not what this is. The other thing that's true of a lot of books now is that there's more than one protagonist. Um, This is a a brother and sister and their friend, and they are all working together. Um, And in this case, it's a very puzzle-driven story. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's about um, an alternate version of New York uh, where there is a pair of twin inventors that around the turn of the 20th century added all these things to New York that that we don't have, but things like robots and magical kind of moving trains and inventions and they built into the city itself and all the buildings and the streets, um, a cipher, which is a a puzzle that needs to be cracked. And the legend is that if if you crack it, then you'll kind of uncover the secrets of the city and inherit um, their, company and their um, leg- legacy so um, the the three young uh, protagonists they're all about middle school age decide to go off and um, try to solve the cipher and prove that it's real and prove that it is a solvable thing um, in order to save their apartment building which is yeah. about to be taken over so mm. it's kind of one of those books where none of the readers a kind of notice when they ask about it who it's for, whether it's a gendered book, but they also love seeing themselves in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like our New York in that it's a very diverse city. Mm-hmm. And so are the characters and that's really wonderful, but it's not trumpeted as the point of the book, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So yes, it's, yeah. it's I think there are a lot of kids that really love seeing themselves in books that are also space operas or fairy tales or adventure stories and, and just having that be true um, mm-hmm. that it's in the story already. Yeah. But covers actually are a big deal. Um, teens judge books by their covers as well, does everybody. I, do too. I yeah. to say I do too. <laughs> um, so there's yeah. a lot of books out yeah. there that I think of that you know have what I think of as more neutral covers that it's not telegraphed from the design. Mm-hmm. So I have talked to my kids about what they feel comfortable carrying around, what they mm-hmm. want, you know, do they
1: mind if someone sees them carrying
3: that book cuz that can make a difference. Interesting. To what they read. Oh,
1: okay, all right. Well, we have much more to talk about, but we should take a break now and uh, come back and continue our conversation. So if you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, and I'm here with three librarians, and we're discussing summer picks. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more suggestions from our librarians. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, and this week we're devoting our entire show to the hottest books of the summer. We're joined by a panel of local librarians to tell us more about the books they predict will capture readers' imaginations and may climb up the bestseller list this summer. I'm here with Susanna Boriston-Takach of the Cambridge Public Library, Robin Brenner of the Public Library of Brookline, and Veronica Coven-Mattese of the Boston Public Library. Let's jump right back into our conversation. So, Start with you, Susanna. What's next on your list?
0: So this book I have on top, Washington Black by Essie
1: Adujan. It's it was gotten one a of lot my... of uh, tension, I've, I've heard. It has. It, yeah,
0: it got um, it was a New York Times Notable book. I think it won an additional award, and it just came out in paperback, so it's beach-ready. Um, it is about an 11-year-old slave on a plantation in Barbados. Um, his name is Washington Black, or Wash for short. Um, Wash, on one fateful night, gets called to the main house to serve dinner. And the plantation master's brother, Titch, is there. And Titch is a naturalist. He's sort of an eccentric, mad scientist. And he recruits Wash to accompany him on his hot air balloon, Um, simply because he's the right weight to be ballast for Mm. the ride. Um, But the two of them, Wash and Titch, form an unexpected bond. Wash turns out to be a really talented... Illustrator and um, helps Titch design some of his future aircraft. And they fly up the eastern coast of the United States. We see Wash travel to Nova Scotia, England, Amsterdam, Morocco. Really, everything changes for Wash after meeting Titch. Um, but although Titch is a self-identified abolitionist and a pretty progressive thinker for his time. We still see that he's a product of the era and his morals start to come into question um, throughout the course of the book. Um, And the novel sort of begs the question, will Wash ever experience true freedom? Mm. What is true freedom? Um, But really the most compelling part of this book is the travel narrative and how eye-opening it is for Wash to travel the world. It's a great adventure story. It kind of reads like a 19th century adventure.
1: Mm. So this is completely fiction. There's no basis in history except broadly, right? It is completely fiction, <laughs> okay. although
0: the author did plenty of research um, about what a plantation in Barbados was like mm-hmm. and what uh, London was like at that time. Mm. Okay, so, all
1: right, very good. Based
0: in reality.
3: Robin? Robin? Well, one of my favorites um, that's a little bit older but was really dynamic as a book is called Sadie by Courtney Summers. And so I, like many people, like a good podcast. Um, And I like also true crime podcasts, which is a whole separate subgenre. Yes, it is. Um, Mm -hmm. So things like Serial or In the Dark is another one that I I think of as being very similar to this. But um, Sadie is, is a book where it's two timelines. It's the story where you're following Sadie herself, who is a teenager who is on a mission to figure out what happened to her missing sister, younger sister. And then the other timeline is a podcast about what happened to her and how she has now gone missing. So it's two levels of a mystery kind of wrapped up in one, but um, it's a very assured book. It knows how to handle the two different timelines in terms of what you should know when and wow, and kind of how it will fit together. Um, the the sister bond is very strong, but very realistic. Um, she was a little resentful of having to kind of take care of her younger sister. And of course, then she goes missing and everything comes bubbling up. Um, it's a very important book, I think, in the sense of looking at women and girls and how they relate to each other, the dangers they face that are a little different um, just by nature of, of who they are. There's a lot about the economic kind of framework of where she lives and, and how she's um, come up in the world. But the, really what I thought was so interesting is that for those folks who listen to kind of podcasts forever, the author really nailed the voice of mm-hmm. like how those podcasts work. Yeah. So you can like hear that voice yeah. being like, and I went to this small town. And it, it, <laughs> just, it feels very real in that, that kind of very narrative way. Yeah. Um, but I love how deep it gets into the story of Sadie herself. It's not a light read. Um, it gets into some pretty dark territory mm-hmm. pretty quickly. But it is beautifully written and I think really compelling And I thought about it for a long time after I read it, so.
1: Hmm. All right, Veronica? All
2: right, you have, I've heard great things about Sadie. Um, And you've inspired me to pick my next pick, which is My Sister the Serial Killer. Oh, I've heard about that one, too. (laughs) I I haven't read this one either, (laughs) but it looks so fantastic. It's a great cover. Um, And the premise is that our main character um, is the good sister. You know, she's the, like, the, the good but maybe less beloved sister, like the, not the outgoing one that everybody, everybody loves. And she's a nurse, and she has two times now been called upon by her sister to clean up the murder after her sister <laughs> murdered her boyfriend. Um, and, you know, like the, the kind of resentful, but, you know, like, I resent my sister, like she's making me do this, but I still love her, like I'm still in a clean up after her murdering her boyfriend, um, and then unfortunately, um, perhaps her next boyfriend is gonna be the doctor that the main character has a crush on. Oh. And so she's, you know, oh, like I don't want my sister to steal my boyfriend. Also, I don't want my sister to murder
1: this guy that I like. Um, so therein lies the tension.
2: Therein lies the tension. It just it sounds like such a like such a fantastic kind of absurdist. But,
1: you know, really gripping narrative. It's gotten great reviews. Great a reviews. lot of people are really, I, I'm too, um, I don't like any blood, so I'm not <laughs> reading that because for that reason yeah. alone. So I have a question for you three uh, because, Robin, you, it just, it, it just uh, prompted me to think about what, something you said. You said the writing is really good. So does the story trump the writing for you all in recommendations or the writing trump the story? Depends what they say they want.
0: I love a plotless book that is beautifully written. So although I just talked up an adventure novel, Mm -hmm. I I love a book that just doesn't really go anywhere, but um, (laughs) is written in really beautiful prose.
1: Okay, so writing for you.
3: I really enjoy plot-driven books. And I I think I need a balance of both. Um, But I have definitely read books. And I think one of the odd things of being a teen librarian is if you read teen books, they always have plot the majority of them, they're kind of, not completely, but it's one of those things where it's very rare to have a book where you have 500 pages and not much happens. Whereas uh, adult books, that's much more common. And I find teens, especially, you find out from them, you know, which they prefer when you're recommending books. Um, but for me, I've definitely read some books where I've been like, wow, I've been reading for 300 pages and nothing has happened, <laughs> and I'm not sure why I should keep going. Um, but there's definitely uh, some that can compel you anyway, just because of the style of the writing or the structure or things like that. But I'm usually more looking for plot.
1: Okay. How about you, Veronica? I mean,
3: I I have bailed out of books because I didn't like the
2: writing, and I've bailed out of books because I didn't like the plot. Um, I, I think you can, you can reject a book for any reason you like. Um, but... I think, yeah, like I I would be more likely to stick with something if I liked the plot and didn't like the writing than the other way around probably. But like part of that is just, I read so much genre fiction and you know, like the plot of a romance novel is not groundbreaking. It's like, here's a person and here's another person and they're gonna fall in love. Um, So it doesn't need to be, you know, like a a unique plot, but I need to feel the tension between the characters, like what they want and like the obstacles in the way. So I think if
3: it's an unrealistic plot, then I, will, then I will just, yeah. And I think that's a good point about comfort reads, that you read comfort reads because they follow the, the pattern that you want. That's a lot of the genre things like romance or mystery where you kind of know you're going to get a resolution at the end. And the enjoyment is how it's going to be slightly different from the last time you read that, Um, and I I find that's very true, and especially romances. You're kind of just I want it to be happy and have people get together, and it's just how they'll get there. And I love it when people surprise you when they shift something a little bit, and you
1: go, Oh, that is not a trope I've seen before. Um,
3: But it's always very satisfying. That's that's kind of a different reason to read a book.
1: Yeah, it's true. But I was just the reason I asked that question is that I've had a couple of experiences where I have just really the writing has been so outstanding. I had to just pause and say, my God, this is great, you know, and uh, sometimes I think, well, maybe it shouldn't be it's not showy, it's just a part of you know, how the, the author wrote the piece, but it's just so beautiful it really does transport you and you become aware of that you're being transported because it's just crafted so well, so uh, I think I think I'm more in the writing, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't, depending on genre fiction. Alright, Susanna what, what's your next one? Okay, what do I have?
0: I have a short story collection for us today. Um, it just came out this week. It's called Home Remedies by Xuan Juliana Wang. And each of these stories follows a person or a group of people who belong to the millennial generation in China, um, most of them in Beijing, um, people who, for, for whom the cultural revolution is a distant or non-existent memory. Um, my favorite story in this book is about two synchronized divers. Um, They're partners in diving and they're training for the Beijing Olympics. Um, They're also coming to terms with their identities. I mean, they've grown up in a training camp in unison. They hardly know who they are as people, Um, but as they reach adolescence, they start to discover things about themselves. I won't ruin anything. Um, But I love writing about sports. Um, I was a gymnast once, so this really resonated strongly with me. And it's just really uh, refreshing, fresh writing. Um, an example of less plot, more about the style of writing.
1: And I have to say, I think short stories are having a moment too. There are a lot of short story books now, that it seems to me way more than I've seen in, in many recent years, but whatever. All right, uh, Veronica, I'm sk- skipping oh, over ro- for Robin for a second. Yeah.
2: we're gonna move on. You know what? Um, After you recommended um, Her Royal Highness, um, I was reminded of the book that I just read on the beach um, Mm. on my vacation, which is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Mm. Casey McQuiston. Mm. Um, It just came out, I want to say. And that is a truly fantastic romance about um, the Latinx son of a fictional woman president, of the United States, who falls in love with the Prince of England? Oh, um, wow, that's a twist! I <laughs> did not see that is, coming. <laughs> and it is, you know, like it is one of those books where you're like, this book is very long, and yet I kept turning pages, like, okay, okay, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? And it's, you know, like a very opposite attract story where like they hate each other mm-hmm. and then they're forced to be together because. Um, they get into a fight at a wedding. And this is, of course, televised, and the tabloids are like, oh, no, UK-US relations are going to be like, taking a hit. So they have to fake being friends. Um, and then they realize that, you know, the things that they hate about each other are actually, you know, the things that they could eventually love each other for. Yeah. Um, and it is, I mean, obviously you're reading a book in, you know, 2019 where a woman won the 2016 election mm-hmm. and, you know, has, you know like has a queer son. And you're like, oh well, this is, this is different, yeah. but it is uh, like a romance and political fiction at the same time and like pure wish fulfillment for 350 pages. I was just like, yeah, this is great. I'm at the beach. I'm enjoying this so much. Excellent, all right, yeah. Rob. I've heard
3: nothing but oh. everyone I know is talking about that <laughs> book oh, right now goodness. and is very excited about how
1: delightful it is. I did not <laughs> so. even
2: bring this book to the beach. My friend brought this book to the <laughs> beach. I was yeah. like,
1: oh, <laughs> yes. let me see that. <laughs> Robin what you got? Um,
3: So one more I was thinking of recommending is one called um, The Last Best Story um, by Maggie Lerman I don't have it with me but Mm. it's um, I am a fan of kind of classic cinema and there are days when Mm. I really want like a really fun witty repartee rapid fire conversation going on in in my movie land Um, so one of my my kind of old favorites is His Girl Friday Mm. um, which is exactly that it's it's a kind of banter it's the same thing the kind of I hate you, but I like you, and I can only talk to you. Um, but it's a it's a, a very specific sort of trope. But it's also a product of its time. Um, and a lot of people in the teen world kind of update some of these classic stories. Um, so the last best story is a very kind of, Um, Subtle retelling of uh, His Girl Friday, but at a high school newspaper. And it's a girl who is like the star reporter and she's like determined to be like amazing and the best reporter ever. And then she decides abruptly to quit the newspaper, leave behind her editor, who's like maybe almost kind of could have been her boyfriend. um, And then decides, I'm going to go to prom. I'm going to have like a normal boyfriend. I'm just going to do normal things and and not worry about reporting anymore. And then, of course, the biggest story breaks during (laughs) prom and she has to decide, am I going to pursue <laughs> and they are both in different perspectives on the story so it becomes a kind of exactly what you want but it's very smart and funny in exactly the way the movie was but it also is updated to the current kind of world and um, I just find that delightful so I love that kind of story
1: oh that sounds good um, well how, finally I think I'd like to hear from all of you um, what do you think um, will be trending I know you, you've talked a little bit about what is trending but what's about to trend um, as we head into the summer and then beyond
0: I have a. Two and this is Susanna, Yes, so I have a book to read on my list here. Um, it's *The Nickel Boys* by Colson mm. Whitehead. Mm. I think it will make an enormous splash when it comes out on July 16th. He's the author of *The Underground Railroad*, which won so many awards, and *The Nickel Boys* is about a young black man named Elwood Curtis who commits a very small crime and is sentenced to a juvenile reform school called the Nickel Academy, which is based on an actual reform school in Jim Crow era, Florida. And um, it, again, it doesn't come out until July 16th, so I don't know that much more about the plot, but I'm so excited to read mm-hmm. it that I'm going to revisit his um, earlier novel, Sag Harbor. Yes, Sag Harbor. Which good. is a fantastic yeah. summary. Yes. It takes place in the Hamptons um, in the
1: 1980s. Yep. Pretty good. All right, Robin.
3: I have two that I just know are going to be enormous juggernauts. Um, They're a little bit further into September. Um, But Guts by Raina Telgemeier is Mm -hmm. coming out in the fall. And yeah, it's going to be enormous, like every book that she releases, pretty much. I think you've
1: talked about Um, her before. Yes, Yes. she
3: (laughs) is is the rock star to all eight-year-old girls everywhere. (laughs) Um, And she has... uh, um, I've gotten a sneak peek, so it is... just as good as you hope it will be. Mm. Um, And this one is is nice because it's about anxiety Mm. and how that affects your health um, in terms of your physical body. So I think a lot of kids will have a good way to talk about that, but it's very much her. um, And she's just a delight. The other one that I know is very big on the teen horizon is uh, Maggie Stiefvater's new book called Call Down the Hawk. Mm. Um, And that's a a new trilogy that relates to her Raven Cycle, which is one of her biggest series ever. Um, She's one of those writers, like you were talking about, who has gotten better with every book. Mm. Her writing is absolutely beautiful. But she's also very good at plotting out a slow build um, and oh, so everyone great. is very excited about that one. Okay.
2: All right. And oh, Brian. gosh. I, f- I always feel terrible trying to predict trends in adults mm. anything because I'm like, there, there's so many books. What are they going to pick now? Um, I do have one in this pile that is an upcoming release, um, which I hope will make it big. Um, this is Gods of Jade and Shadows. Um, it comes out in July. Um, and that is a really fascinating book about, it's a, a fantasy novel about, um, it takes place in Mexico in the in the Roaring Twenties. Um, and it's, uh, the, the main character accidentally brings to life a god that's been kept in her grandfather's bedroom closet. Um, and she has to go on this crazy quest with him to find all of his missing body parts. Okay. Um, <laughs> It is if you are interested in like kind of both historical stuff and a lot of travel, seeing different different parts of the country, learning about different mythology.
1: I like I haven't finished it yet. I was reading it on the beach. But you could, is, but you got your eye on it. You I've feel, got my eye on that's it. it. I was like, okay. That's great. All right. Um, well, I'm looking forward to Ta Nehisi Coates' first novel, The Water Dancer, which is coming up in September. So people should keep an eye out on that. I want to thank you all for joining me. It's always a delight to talk about books for the summer and any time. Um, and we talk about books on Under the Radar once a month, so people should uh, check us out uh, if you haven't before. But in the meantime, thank you all. Thank, thank you. you for having us. And your list will be on our website. Excellent. Susanna Boriston-Takach is an Adult Services Librarian at the Cambridge Public Library. Robin Brenner is the Teen Librarian at the Public Library of Brookline. And Veronica Coven-Mattacy is a Reader Services Librarian at the Boston Public Library. That's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show, links to stories we discussed today, and bonus content on the web at wgbh.org slash news. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Callie Crossley and like us at Facebook.com slash Under WGBH. Our engineers are Doug Sugertz and David Flecky. Francisca Monahan is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH.